Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. We can argue about whether the Browns should be 5-0, and 4-1, and or 3-2, and but they are disappointing 2-3 and after a loss to the Chargers on Sunday. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are coming to town next as Cleveland's coaching staff tries to right the ship. Here to break it all down with me, as usual, is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. How's it going, Chud? Scott, I'm well. I just have to say, put another chapter in the book of Browns. I mean, it really <laughs> is. It, it's quite the read, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, a lot of chapters end really poorly and badly with disappointment. Yeah. yeah you know, you just brought, you spurred a thought in my head when you said that of what their record could be. I mean, it is really amazing, uh, the fine line of what their record could be, because all these games have been close, right? Yep. And they, they have had a chance to win them all. Haven't they had the lead in the fourth quarter in every game? Am I wrong about that? No, they've, they've started the fourth quarter with the lead in every game. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And it's just such a, a tough call to watch this team because they're equal parts a team that could be really, really good. And as we always talk about the talent and, and you're like, well, they can hang with anyone. But at the other end, it's the other part of, you know, it's just the same old crap. And they just don't know how to win. And and here we are. And I guess they are what they are. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's all depending on your point of view, right? You could say I, you can make an argument for five and oh, or maybe four and one is more realistic, but you can make an argument for five and oh. And then there's people out there to say, hey, well, they could easily be one and four because, yeah. you know, K. George could miss a 58 yarder in the opener. So I, I get that, and I do think there's some truth to the, you know, old Bill Parcells, you are what your record is, you know. Um, having said that, it, it does feel like they're better than two and three to me. It feels like they've played better than that. Um, they just haven't, and it's maybe it's cliche, but and it certainly sounds like um, Kevin Stefanski talking, but they haven't been able to finish, and that's huge in this league, and I feel like the Browns have enough talent. Like, I, I think at some point they crossed over, whether it was 2020 or, you know, it, it at least started there. Um, They've crossed over to – they have enough talent to win a bunch of games, and so they're no longer the bottom feeders like they were for so long, like, you know, whoever the Chicago's of the world right now. Um but that means in there, but they're not elite, right? They're not the, the Chiefs, they're not the Bills. So if you're in that middle ground, you got to figure out a way to win games and win close games. And that's what they're struggling to do. And in 2020, when they went to the playoffs, they were able to do it. Um, last year, not as much. And to this point, not as much. And that's frustrating for so fans. So I don't want to see play the lane game necessarily, but I'm going to. Yeah. Sorry there. Um, I don't want to play the blame game necessarily, but I would like to just bring out three factors. And I just want Petrak's position. Where do you stand as to what was the biggest problem in that game? And and I'll throw out three things. And you might throw out a fourth or fifth thing, but these are the three things I'm going to throw at you. It's, it's the Browns' defense. It's Cade York missed two field goals, including the possible game winner, and Jacoby Brissett. And mostly with him, it's just that awful decision that he made. Not as much his whole play, but that that was just a terrible pass, in my opinion, that just really, it's just crushing. The fact that they still had a chance to win is amazing, and we'll get to all that. 
but kind of where do you where do you lie on all of those? I would probably go. I'd probably rank them as you said them. Defense, York, Brissett. The run defense was awful. Right, two hundred thirty-eight yards. The second straight week, giving up more than two hundred. I thought the return of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney would make a big difference, and it didn't. And, and I don't. I don't really blame them. I've watched rewatched much of the game, and Clowney shows up. You know, I think Miles was fine. I don't think he was the reason they were getting killed on the run. Um, but yet they still get killed in the run. And, you know, you could give up some yardage because you're playing coverage to stop Justin Herbert. You can't give up 238 yards. And you can't give up 200 yards two weeks in a row. And you let up 30 points. And that's a lot of points. So I start with the defense. Then I go to Cade York. He missed two. And, you know, he makes one they win. Now, obviously, things could change, and the Chargers would have played differently at the end. But that's six points that they didn't have. Um, and you drafted him to make those kicks. So I put the blame there. And then Jacoby said, yeah, it was a terrible interception, and it cost the Browns at least three points, right? If we're, if we're going to blame Cade York for taking off points off the board, you got to blame Jacoby Brissett for taking points off the board. And, you know – I don't want to kill Jacoby Brissett because I think he's played better than I expected him to. You know, I give him a pass for the interception against the Jets because there's like 12 seconds left when he throws it. But it's a bad, it's two weeks in a row where he threw a bad pick late that cost the Browns. And this one was to me was worse because they were you weren't trying to play catch up. You know, you just needed points there. Um, you're in position, he probably could have run. Um, and I get it, you know, you see. Amari Cooper flashing. You think I got him? It's a touchdown, um, but you can't throw the pick there in your in the end zone. So um, that's how I'd rank it. They're all culpable. They're all big factors in why the Browns lost that game. Well, let's start with Brissett since that was the last thing you just talked about. Well, what was he doing on that play? <laughs> Have you watched it back a bunch of times? Like I, I mean, just the amount of times I've watched it, I, I'm like. Where was he going? I mean, it looked like yeah. double, triple, double coverage. It, I did it just poorly placed. I what was yeah. he thinking? Like, what can can you take me through that play? Yeah, I mean, he scrambles right, so he eludes the evades the sack. He's scrambling to his right, um, and if he tucks it, he might get in. He might get close to the goal line. He obviously isn't going to throw an interception if he tucks it and runs. Uh, I don't think he saw the safety that picks him. Uh, you know, the safety said. The safety said that they kind of made eye contact. I, I don't think Jacoby throws that ball if he really sees the safety there. Um, but what he does see is his top receiver cutting across the back and feels like he's open. And it's such a split-second decision, right? He doesn't set his feet. He doesn't make a second look to see where anybody is. He sees a flash. He throws it. And it's just it's just a terrible decision. And Jacoby said as much, um, you know, you, you you're giving up points. You're throwing. He threw back across his body, which is a terrible idea. There's obviously a bunch of bodies in the end zone, right? It's not just one guy. There's a bunch of traffic. I, I think he just he got caught up in the moment, saw something flash, and threw it. And you just have to be more disciplined than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what he saw that flashed. I, I mean, I he know. saw Cooper. Like, I mean, that's what he saw. He saw yeah. Amari Cooper running across the back and didn't see. The Chargers in the way, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, well, okay, yeah. Um, well, 
I, you know, when it comes to Cade York, I don't want to beat a dead horse and whether they should draft a kicker or not. I mean, because they did it. It's done. It's over with. Right. I mean, we could spend time on that. But wh- what's the point? What right. I want to know with him is, is he going to be I mean, are we in trouble here with this guy or do you think that he'll be OK and we're going to have a kicker here, you know, for many years with this guy? Right. Well, here's what's tough about it. I'm not a kicker expert. Right. And even if, yeah, right. you know, even if you had a quarterback struggling, you can say, you know, I'm not the expert there either. But um, more, but you know, you watch those guys, you, you know, you evaluate those guys much more than a kicker. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's tough to me. Okay. Did, how do you miss this one? Was it a bad hold? Was it a bad placement? Well, you know, did he just push it? Whatever. You know I mean? It's, it's hard with a kick, with a kicker. Having said that, I do like his makeup mentally right i like his confidence level i like his attitude i've talked to two of the coach two of his coaches um his private coach and his coach at lsu and they all say the right things about him and his improvement and his commitment so you know there are other kickers that the browns have had where when they missed one you could see the confidence shaken and that's a troubling sign and that's why the browns have moved on from them quickly i don't get the same thing from Cade york now, having said that, if you start missing a bunch of kicks, I don't I don't know if anybody's immune to their confidence getting, you know, decreasing. So I, it bears watching. Obviously, when you draft a guy in the fourth round, he's got a long leash. Um, and I don't think we're close to that leash being, you know, tight. But you got to make some kicks. And he's missed four kicks now, right? Two field goals the other day, two extra points. Um, his leg is huge. We're never going to argue, you know, that's never going to be in question. And, you know, Jacoby Brissett got asked the question, you know, there used to be so much faith in him, right? Like you just felt like, oh, my gosh, you get to within 50 yards or 55 and Kade Yerkes didn't come in. Has that, has that gone away, right? They Like he, the confidence that he's automatic. And Brissett said, hell no, and was good. He gave a really good answer. But I know just as an observer, that confidence is less than it was. After week one, I don't know how it couldn't be. Um, and I wonder as a coaching staff, right? Like all of a sudden, does your plan change? Now they would have no matter who was the field goal kicker, they would have gone for a long field goal in that situation, right? I mean, that's just how the NFL is. If you get the 54 yards at the end of the game and it's fourth down, you kick a field goal. Having said that, do you play things differently? You know, do they do you go more on fourth downs? All the things that we thought would switch because of Cade York. Do they switch back because he's struggling? Um, I think it might be too early for that, but it's certainly something the Bears watch. That's number Watch this every week. And I'm becoming a broken record, Scott, because – I told you before the season started, you know, this. And, you know, it just has to stop because. And what it looks like on paper, on the field, it looks like. Yeah, you break it up a little bit, Chud, but I'm sure you're talking about the defense in Joe Woods and. I, I get it. I get that that's where all the fans' frustration is. Um, I tend to be a little more lenient on Joe Woods just because 
I saw him do some really good things at the end of last season. Um, I don't know how much to blame just on scheme. I see linebackers taking bad angles and not getting off blocks. I see defensive tackles getting pushed back. I see Grant Delpin on a 71-yard run from Austin Eckler um, run up and is just in the wrong gap, and Eckler runs right by him. So, you know, and when they had the the breakdowns in coverage early in the season, um, you know, a lot of that's player involved. So I, I get that the final, the buck stops with the coaching staff. I get it. I get that that's true for Kevin Stefanski and the fact that he hired Joe Woods. I get the fact that that's Joe Woods when we talk about this defense. So I'm not taking all blame away at all. But I do think there is shared responsibility with the coaching staff and the players. And if Andrew Barry, the general manager, didn't think the players are at least partially responsible for this, he wouldn't have gone and traded for linebacker Deion Jones Sunday night. He wouldn't have signed, I think it's Tyler Davidson, Davidson, the veteran defensive tackle, to the practice squad on Tuesday when there's a chance he could even play Sunday, right? You can elevate him for a game and you can sign him to the 53-man roster if you want to. So maybe it took too long to figure out the weaknesses on defense, even though we've been talking about defensive tackle being a potential weakness for a long time, um, like since March. But Andrew Bayer is obviously doing – obviously feels a need to, uh, to upgrade the roster and – I think that is a sign that it's not all Joe Woods. Um, but, yeah, the defense isn't good enough. And, uh, you know, you probably were trying to say this when you're cutting in and out. The expectations were so high for this defense. And not just from guys like you and me, from them, right? They, in July and August, are talking about top five defense, the best defense, best secondary. And when you talk like that and play like they have, um, I, I get all the uh, – all the anger from fans. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was saying. You just summed it up right there at the end. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they they feel like they're a great defense and it just hasn't been that, it, it's it's very frustrating. It, it's getting extremely annoying to watch it every week. Yeah. Um, have to say this, and, you know, sometimes when I'm watching games, with all the analytics and, like, it's just different now watching sports, right? At our age in yeah. 2022 than when we were younger. And sometimes I wonder if I've forgotten things or I haven't figured something out or <laughs> I, I'm like, what, what, what am I missing here? Like, what's different? What were the Chargers doing going for yeah. it there? Like, that was, I, I just, when it happened, I, I, I had people texting me like, what are they doing? Is it, uh, is this a joke? Like, what, like, I couldn't believe that. What, why did they do that? Yeah, I, I'm with you. That was my reaction. And I do think part of that is, well, part of it's an age thing, right? You're just used to guys kicking, punting. Um, and we've talked, we talked about that the week before with the Kevin Stefanski situations near the goal line, right? Field goal versus touchdown. Um, yeah. But this was unusual uh, because you're putting the other team in field goal range, right? Or awfully close to field goal range. The Browns picked up one first down and they tried a 54-yarder. Uh, having said that, you know, there are, it's all about the data, right? Well, it's not all about the data. A lot of it's about the data, which said, according to some win probability I saw on Twitter, um, that the win probability was better for the Chargers if they went for it versus if they punted. 
and that plays a role, right? And that factors in everything. It factors in how much, you know, how many times you're going to get the four, convert the fourth and one, um, you know, what happens on the punt, blah, 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 blah. So all that's taken into consideration. And I understand the thinking there is, hey, the probability says we're better off because we don't give up the ball, right? And that's what Brandon Staley, the Chargers coach's argument is, hey, I wasn't going to try. It's, it's not a trust factor thing. It's not like I don't trust my defense. It's if we don't give up the ball, we can't lose. And all I got to do is get one yard and the game's over. So I understand that thinking. However, in that situation, I disagree with it because I, I think the odds are better if you punt. Now, if I sat down with the analytics staff and they convinced me that I was wrong and that the odds are better in going for it, um, then I then I might do the same thing. But it's certainly a change, a big change from not only how we grew up, but I mean, within the last couple of years, that's a change. And especially in that circumstance, um, it's way different than we ever would have expected. And, you know, and the Browns, even the Browns, right, you hear the disrespect talk. The Greg Newsom said it was disrespectful or he felt disrespected, whichever, I forget the exact phrasing, that they went for it, there, right? That that's kind of a slap in the face to the defense. And, you know, whatever, you know, I, I think that's probably a little overblown. But there is something to be said for, hey, we didn't think they could stop us. And we thought even if they did stop us, their offense slash kicker weren't going to weren't going to make us pay. Right. Like that certainly factors into um, Brandon Staley's decision. I'm OK with them saying that they felt disrespected if it motivates them to stop them on that play. <laughs> yeah. But after the game to say it, no, I mean, come on, you don't you don't deserve to be respected right now as a defense. So that those are two different yeah. uh, things, in my opinion. But. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the context was, but um, yeah, just could you imagine doing that in the Super Bowl and you lost because you didn't make it, and then the other team made the winning field goal, and that's how you had to lose the Super Bowl? Right. Well, that's an interesting point, Chad. In you would have to have such conviction as a coach to do it there, right? Because you know the spotlight is so intense, you know you're going to answer about that question forever, right? And you know, it's it's like it's not the same, but it it reminds me of Sean Payton onside kicking in that one Super Bowl, right? If you miss there, you get a lot of questions. But they were losing; he was looking for a spark. This is a situation where you're winning, right? You're trying to protect that lead, and you know, people. I, I don't know if people forget or not, but Bill Belichick did this something similar back in the day against Peyton Manning. It was fourth and two. Remember, they're fourth and two, like in deep in their own their territory like it was like fourth and two from the new england 35 against indy and belichick said we're not going to stop them we haven't stopped them so they went for it got stopped and then i think indianapolis wins the game i think that's how it went down uh and, and that was that was a complete realization of my defense cannot stop the colts so we have to keep the ball and like many things belichick was ahead of his time because now when anybody or when most teams play the Chiefs, that's how they operate, right? You saw it Monday night. The Raiders go for it because they're like, hey, we're not going to stop them. So we need to keep the ball and we need to match them for points. So this isn't completely new, um, but we're obviously seeing it way more often. Yeah, good uh, good stuff there. I, I, that, that, is, uh, that is interesting when you uh, bring up those points for sure. 
Uh, you know, had they won the game, we'd be just raving about the running game. And even in a loss, we still can. I mean, boy, Chubb looks amazing. Hunt's doing well. I mean, it's just, you know, the offense, you know, in that aspect is rolling. It is. And, you know, I mean, he's leading – Chubb is leading the league in rushing. He looks phenomenal. I saw some stat where he's the first guy in NFL history to – I think the number was to get to 590 yards – in seven touchdowns in less than 100 carries in the first five games. So, you know, he's averaging whatever, is it six yards a carry or something, something close. Um, he's just doing a phenomenal job. It, you know, in what you're right, what happens when you lose is then you get people saying, well, why is he only getting 17 touches? Right. He's averaging 6.1 yards a carry. Um, you know, why is he only getting 17 touches? And, and I get, like, I get it to some degree, but, my counter is they should have scored about 40 points, right? Let's forget, even if you give Kate York both field goals and Jacoby Brissett doesn't throw a pick and they kick a field goal, it's, even if he could have run it for a touchdown. Give him nine more points, right? Then they score 37. That's a lot of points. They've scored a bunch of points. There's an there's a efficiency statistic that has the Browns, I think, at number one overall offensively, at least number one in the rushing game, but I think it's not number one in the top five overall offensive efficiency. My point is they're doing, they're really playing well on offense. And Stefanski had some boneheaded play calls or boneheaded might be too strong. He had some bad play calls in Atlanta, specifically inside the five. I also didn't love um, the deep handoff to Kareem Hunt on fourth and one Sunday. Um, we watched it the other day. Why Teller just whiffs. On a block. So who knows? Maybe the play works if Wyatt Teller doesn't whiff. Um, but you can argue maybe they, they could have just quarterback sneak. Jacoby Brissett's been great at that. Whatever. Guys are going to get have a bad play call here and there. My point is the offense has been marching up and down the field pretty much all year long. Stefanski's done a really good job overall as a play caller that I am not willing to nitpick the fact that Nick Chubb only got 17 carries when – the offense put up a bunch of points, had the potential to put up more points. And there is a feeling that they're trying not to wear down Nick Chubb. That's always been the feeling. That's why they have Kareem Hunt. So you could go one-two punch. And some of that is how the game plays out. And if the Browns are in a lot of two-minute situations, and they were at both halves, Kareem Hunt gets more, gets more snaps. That's just how it works. Nick Chubb isn't on the field in those situations. You can argue that point, but I'm completely with the fact that Kareem Hunt should be out there. I think we talked about this. He's a better receiver, better blocker in the in blitz pickup. And, you know, we saw Nick Chubb. It wasn't a perfect throw, but he got behind Derwin James on a broken play, and it went off his hands. Now, the throw wasn't perfect. My point is Kareem Hunt, I think, makes that catch. Nick Chubb didn't. And that is an example of why Hunt's in the game in two-minute situations and third down. And sometimes if you have two of those in a game, two, two, two minute drills, it's why Nick Chubb doesn't have as many care. It doesn't have as many snaps as maybe people would like. He still had a couple more than Hunt. Um, but I, I, my, the overall point is they're using him just fine. He's having a great season. I think it's silly to nitpick that when the run game and the offense has been so successful overall. Yeah, if I'm an NFL head coach right now and I'm in a gym and all the running backs are in there and you get first pick, I'm I'm taking Nick Chubb right now. Me too. Uh, he's hot. Yeah, he's you know, I 
That, that guy is something to watch. Wow. Yeah. Um, before we get on to New England, uh, Denzel Ward, let, let's get into injuries now. How yeah. do we stand? I mean, it, yeah, another injury for Denzel. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I got a hard time even, you know, criticizing a guy when he's got a concussion, right? It happens in this right, league. Right, right. Guys miss yeah. time. I know Denzel's missed time before. Um, you know, it feels doubtful he'll play Sunday against New England. It's too early to tell. Um, obviously, the league is, especially in the last couple of weeks, feels like it's being more careful with guys. Um, so I'm just assuming Denzel's not going to play this week. Obviously, we haven't heard that yet. Um but otherwise, it came out pretty clean. You know, Clowney said his ankle, he felt his ankle, or I don't know if he used the term aggravated, but he stayed in. Um, I, I think the hope is that he's over the worst of that and will continue to play. I would expect him not to practice a bunch. I think Miles Garrett is going to continue to get better. He said, you know, he's not at 100%. Um, I think he'll continue to get better. So they're actually, outside of Denzel Ward, in a pretty good spot injury-wise. And – I feel like, you know, Greedy Williams came back in practice last week. He was not activated from IR. Now he'll get a second week of practice. Assuming no setbacks, I would expect him to be activated. And therefore, now your rotation at corner can be Newsom, Emerson, Williams, which obviously you missed Denzel Ward, but they have some depth there. You brought up Garrett. Still searching for that sack, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it – I mean, we would notice anyway, right, that he hasn't had a sack in, I think it's three weeks. Um, but we certainly would notice. But it's certainly much more obvious because we've been talking about, you know, the the Clay Matthews official record, right? The 62, and Miles has been stuck at 61 and a half since week two, right? He got two sacks in the opener, one against the Jets, and then he's been shut out the last two games and obviously didn't play against the Falcons. So, you know, it's two games in a row without a sack. Um, you could throw in a third game because he missed it, um, and, you know, and we can argue whether or not how much of that same personal responsibility, you know, one car accident, um, you know, but it's not the end of the world when you go two games without a sack. But with a guy like Miles Garrett and the expectations that people have for him and he has for himself, it's certainly noticeable um, you know, I thought he came close a few times to getting Justin Herbert, who's a tough guy to sack. He'd only been sacked four times in the first four games. He just gets rid of the ball in a hurry. He's a good athlete back there. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't think it's not like Miles to me. It's not like he disappeared. I saw him plenty of times during the course of the game. He just didn't make the big play that the Browns need him to make. Yeah. I think if you listened last week, I think we broke the Chargers down pretty well. Uh, you had good uh, insight on them, and and I think we, you know, talked about Herbert, talked about all the key components, and uh, you know, let's do that with New England now. You know, uh, two and three coming in, the Browns are favored by three. Last I saw, uh, Patriots. Let's see, they lost to the Dolphins, Packers, and Ravens, right? And they beat yeah. the Steelers and Lions. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on the Pats for uh, another one in uh, Cleveland this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they're a flawed team, right? They're not perfect. Um, they're in a little bit of a, I don't know if it's rebuild is the right word, but it probably is. Um, you know, at the post-Tom Brady years, they've had changes on their coaching staff. No Josh McDaniels anymore. Um, you know, I got a, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge have their hands in the offense, and I know they've gotten a lot of criticism for that. Uh, but – 
you know, in Mac Jones gets hurt, their first round pick from a year ago at quarterback, played well as a rookie. Then Brian Hoyer starts the game against Green Bay, um, not Sunday, the week before, and gets hurt. Goes on IR. I think it's a concussion. And they bring in a rookie, Bailey Zappi, fourth round pick out of Western Kentucky. Started his career at Houston Baptist, right? I don't know anything about this guy, but I last night I watched the Sunday game against the Lions, and they won 29 to nothing. And this kid looked composed. Um, which I guess you should expect maybe from a Bill Belichick quarterback, even if he's a rookie who's not expected to play. Um, but I was impressed with the kid. Now, they didn't ask him to make a bunch of tough throws. The Lions didn't do anything. So, you know, they had the lead. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure situations. Uh, you know, a lot of kind of easy reads for the quarterback to make, you know, throw the ball deep down the sideline. You throw a hook over the middle. You run a screen. But – he played well, and, you know, Mac Jones has been practicing a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this week. If Jones comes back, it kind of feels like the ankle injury is serious enough that he would miss another week. Um, but I think you can't just say, hey, Bailey Zappi's playing the Browns. They're going to win this game because I don't think it's that simple. Um, and it's a Bill Belichick team, right? Like, <laughs> you just can't get past that, especially when you flashback it last year. The Browns went into New England and got demolished. And a lot of the talk after the game, even from the Browns players, were how good the coaching was for New England and how they took advantage of all the things the Browns had done poorly earlier in the season. So, obviously, Belichick's got plenty of things to look at there when it comes to the Browns' defense and things to exploit. Um, but just from a roster standpoint, you know, the receivers are Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. Um, they got – a couple of tight ends, um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, they spent a bunch of money on those guys in free agency a year ago. On deep, and you know, um, let me look at the running back, right? Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson, yeah. yeah Harris yeah. is uh, he's out, right? Yeah, Damon Harris went on IR. I think he's out for sure. Um, yeah. so Stevenson had a big game against the Lions. I think it was 160 yeah. yards. I want to say somewhere in that ballpark. So they can run it. He's a physical runner, and we talked about the poor Browns' run defense. Obviously, that's the first thing you look for is the Browns have to figure out a way to stop that. And then defensively, you know, they got Matthew Judon, the pass rusher, had a big game last year against the Browns, showed up again against the Lions with a forced fumble that they returned for a touchdown. Um, the, the Lions kept going for it on fourth down, and part of that was – you know, being aggressive, part of it was they got behind and had to go for it. And I don't think the Patriots let them convert convert once. They were like 0 for 5 or 0 for 6. And that's just me watching the game and making notes going, oh, my gosh, they're really good on fourth down. So that's something to watch. They have Mac Wilson, you know, in the offseason trade for Chase Winovich. Um, he's playing. He's listed as a starter on the depth chart. He shows up, you know, in third down passing situations. Um, Jabril Peppers is on their team. Um so they got some guys, um, I think Peppers. I'm looking at their depth chart. Yeah, there he is, Jabril Peppers. I knew I saw him. Um, so they got some familiar guys. Not like They're not like a – roster is not full of big-name, talented guys, but they're well-coached, and they have a handful of guys uh, that are good players. Yeah, I mean, normally when it's New England versus Detroit, you expect the New England win, no question. That shouldn't be shocking. But in this case – I, 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 I thought they'd win probably, but I, the Lions offense has been, I mean, no pun intended, roaring. I yeah. mean, 
they have been scoring a ton of points. I was kind of surprised by the goose egg. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and, yeah, the Lions had been scoring a bunch. And I think that speaks to Bill Belichick. You know, and uh, maybe it's not – maybe it's too easy when they when they surprise people or they play a great game. It's go, oh, my gosh, Belichick. But, you know, he's probably the greatest ever or one of the greatest ever, certainly. Um, and I think he deserves that kind of credit. And, again, and I, I flash back to last year, Chud. I remember watching that game – and just thinking it felt like a mismatch and it wasn't from a coaching standpoint. And that's not even a huge knock on Kevin Stefanski. That was more of a Joe Woods where it felt like Belichick had all the answers to what the Browns did defensively. And after that game, the Browns really turned it around. And I, that's where I give Joe Woods a lot of credit. So to me, when we talk about things to watch this week, you know, Jacoby Brissett started his career against new England He's obviously looking for a bounce back after the terrible interception against the Chargers. That's one thing. We talk about the run defense overall. Um, will the new guys play? Will they have any kind of impact? Uh, but then thirdly is this coaching situation, right? Because we know the heat, and I don't even want to say heat because that makes you think hot seat. We know the criticism that Joe Woods and Kevin Stefanski have received thus far this season. And they will be in the spotlight against Bill Belichick and his staff. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it because they cannot afford to get outcoached um, on Sunday. And we, they cannot afford to let Bill Belichick exploit all their weaknesses. And, and it's going to be fascinating to watch, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Belichick, and Try to take out um, uh, Chubb. I mean, can you t- can you take Chubb out, or do you, or do you do you just try and just stop the run and make Brissett beat you? Yeah. You just you know, let him run and then hope Brissett makes a mistake. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You broke up for a second, but I got you. I heard you say, "Do they try to take away Nick Chubb?" That's a great point. Do you try to take him away and let Jacoby Brissett beat you? My initial thought is yes, but I think it's I, I think it's impossible to do that. Like I don't think you can just take Nick Chubb in this running game away. So if you're Bill Belichick, do you concede that and say, okay, let's make sure they don't beat us at the pass game? I don't know. I don't know how he goes into that. Maybe they stack the put nine guys on the line of scrimmage and say, okay, go beat us, Jacoby Brissett. They kind of did that last year with Baker Mayfield, and Baker couldn't do it. Um the run game feels even better this year. You know, there's some injuries last year. Um, you didn't have Chubb and Hunt together. I don't think for that game, certainly for much much of the season. Um, you know, but he's really good at scheming. Can he come up with the right scheme that frustrates Stefanski and Bill Callahan's run scheme? Uh, my thought is he can't. My thought is the Browns' run game is too good. But, you know, I don't want to undersell Bill Belichick. So that'll be interesting to Chud, to see Chud. Um, can they at least maybe limit it early where Stefanski gets out of his normal play calling rhythm and says, okay, I got to throw it here. And then the pressure flips to Brissett. Um, it, that's going to be certainly, I've been focused more on the other side of the ball, but I, I think you have a really good point. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Sure. Uh, before we get to predictions, uh, real quick note, Deshaun Watson back in the building, right? 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, he, he returned Monday. He was allowed, you know, as part of the suspension settlement, not allowed to practice, not allowed to attend practice or games, allowed to go to meetings, allowed to meet with Stefanski, coordinator Alex Van Pelt, um, quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing, um, can work out on his own with the strength staff. Um, so, yeah, he's back in the building. I think that's good from Kevin Stefanski stressed the mental aspect of it. But he's been working out on his own. He's had a quarterback coach. He's been throwing to guys. Uh, but you you lose touch with the playbook. You lose touch with the game plan because the coaches have not been allowed to have contact with him. Now he's back in the building. He can kind of see how the Browns prepare for a game, Get dot, get do a deep dive into the game plan, um, which is big for his preparation for his return. Now he can practice again if everything stays on schedule. He can practice again November 14th. And then he'd be eligible to play December 4th in Houston. Yeah. All right. You ready for predictions? You got anything yep. else before we get to prediction? Uh, no, I, I think we hit on it. Um, no, I, I think we hit we, the run defense. Why, you know, I mentioned and I just I'm saying it again because I have it written down. Um, the fact that they brought that they traded for Deion Jones and brought in Davison, the defensive tackle. I do think it speaks to the concerns inside the building and some of the pieces they have, and that's defensive tackle and linebacker. And those are the same concerns that I think observers and fans had entering the season. And then you lose Anthony Walker Jr., your middle linebacker. And the hope was for the Browns, Jacob Phillips would just step in and it would be a smooth transition, and it hasn't been. And, you know, this isn't giving up necessarily on Jacob Phillips, but I think it is a realization and an acknowledgement from the team that he hasn't been good enough and they really miss Anthony Walker Jr. And I think they hope Deion Jones at some point he's coming off shoulder surgery. He's been on IR the first five games. The hope is at some point he can help in that role um, because they just haven't been good enough. That front seven, specifically the middle, those two D tackles and those linebackers haven't been good enough the last two weeks. All right. I'll go first on prediction. Yep. All right, so I'm two and three, and you're three and two, right? I think that's where we're yeah, at. Yeah, because I picked the Chargers. Yeah. I stuck with the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so I went with the Chargers too. So, um, I'll go first. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's a game the Browns should win. They're they're the more talented team. They should win at home. I won't be surprised if the Browns win. I mean, they got to win this game. That said. I'm not going to predict them. I'm going to go Patriots for the Bill Belichick reason alone. I'm I'm going to go, but you know he out Bill Belichick out coaches the Browns, and I'm going to go with what I've seen so far this year: a crazy ending or something happens, the Browns lose by like two points. So I'm just going to, and I might change my mind as the week goes on. We're yeah. we're recording this Wednesday morning. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go sixteen fourteen Ooh. Patriots. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I can't argue with a bunch of that, Chud. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, it, this is a tough game. The Browns could win any game. They could lose every game, right? Which makes predicting them very difficult. And yes. that's that's not just me trying to cover my own caboose. Um, I think they're a tough team to predict because uh, we talked about they're in every game. They get a chance to win every game. Uh, I'm going to predict the bounce back. Right, they've lost two in a row. They're not going to lose three in a row. Um, they, it's 
from here on out, it's probably one of the rare circumstances where I think the Browns have the quarterback advantage. Maybe that changes if Mac Jones plays. Um, but even then, I don't think it's head and shoulders. It kind of flashes me back to the early season when the you know, Browns played those, you know, four teams without stud quarterbacks. Um, it's at home. That should help. Um, I get the Bibelcheck factor. We've talked about that over and over. Um, I just think that the Browns are going to bounce back and figure out a way to do it. They haven't been able to figure out a way the last couple of weeks. I think they figure out a way. I think they're kind of due. And I'm going 26-24. If it's 16-14, Chud, um, I'd be stunned by that. And the reason I say it is the Browns would have had to fix their defense. And if they fix their defense and still lose, um, that would be tough to take for Browns fans. So I feel like it's going to be – we're going to see some points. Bill Belichick will have some answers for that Browns defense. I think the Browns are going to be able to run the ball. Um, but I'm going to give the I'm going to say the Browns pull it out 26-24. Yeah, and I don't I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, you know, I I just well, number one, the only thing I'll disagree with you on is when is the home factor really been yeah. a factor for the Browns? I mean, I, that's the only. I mean, right. That's legit. I, I thought twice about what I, before I said it. I mean, the fans are still there. They're still loud. Um, it should be a factor. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the other thing, too, is I guess I'm going to just say, man, if the Patriots could stop that potent Lions offense to zero, yeah. I mean, that's why I got. I guess I went lower scoring. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not crazy. I don't know what the over-under is. It's got to be higher than 30, but it's probably less than 50. Um, yeah. So it's probably it's, you broke up, Judd. What do you got? Forty what? Uh, Forty-two and a half. Okay, okay. Um, so a little closer to mine, but kind of in the middle. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think it would be, it would be so Browns, right? For <laughs> them to hold the Patriots to sixteen point or four sixteen points and still lose, right? Like that would follow. Kind of. Oh my gosh, this is they found a new way to lose. Um, I, I just, I just think the bronze offense has been playing too well for that, but you know, I wouldn't put anything past them. So you could be right. But well, rem- remember, we can change our mind. I always true, say true. that I mean, true, we're, true. we're, we're on, we're on the spot on Wednesday here. Right. You know? Yeah. And I thought about it last week. I really did. I thought about changing over the weekend with Garrett playing and then Clowney playing and the, the Chargers didn't have Keenan Allen. Like I thought, man, it's kind of shaping up where the Browns could win, but I stuck with it because of Herbert. And, you know, he played great. He wasn't – I'm not sure he was a difference in the game. It was more the Chargers running game and the Browns' mistakes. Um, but anyway, I, I was, from my perspective, I was glad I stuck with it because I really thought about switching that pick. Well, the way I'm looking at it right now is I'm not going to take credit for picking the Chargers to win because the Browns easily could have right. won that game. Just like I don't want anyone coming at me when I get it wrong this year because they've uh, I've lost some picks that I should have won. Right. You know, I mean, it yeah, goes yeah. both ways right now. Yeah. No, I hear you. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, so, like, that, that I feel like that with a lot of these picks is I don't feel great about it. You know, like, some weeks you feel, okay, I like this pick, and you can still be wrong. Um, but there's a lot that – there's plenty that I don't feel good about. It's still too early in the week for me to say whether or not how great I feel about this pick, you know, by, we, by the time we get to Saturday or Sunday. Um, but right now I'm going to pick the – I'm going to pick the Browns Browns pick. Yeah. Hey, go Guardians. Let's get uh, the next one against the Yankees yeah, and come back one. tied 1-1. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, you know, you've got to feel good about Bieber, right? Um, yeah. Shane Bieber on the mound. Having said that, 
they got to figure out a way to score some runs because obviously they haven't done that in their first three postseason games here. Um, lucky to win those two that they did. Not lucky, but, you know, to score two and one and, you know, win both games. Um, they're going to have to figure out a way to manufacture some runs here. Well, it's funny, the narrative, right? Like our whole conversation is much different, not entirely, but much different if Cade York hits that field goal, right? Yep. Well, in the Guardians case, you know, if they lose that series, we're having off season talking about how they can't score and the offense died, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the narrative and they, but you're right. They, they can't score one or two runs and beat the Yankees. They, they got to find some offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe Bieber can do it, right? Maybe it can win a 2-1 game with Bieber. Um, but that's not, I don't think that's sustainable, but they need, that's why they need, they need Bieber to have a great outing for sure. So. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. Looking forward to that. Chud, thanks. All for right, that, that's it for me. Yeah, yep. I appreciate it, bud. Thanks as always. I know it's a busy week for both of us. So I'm glad we were able to get this in. Thanks everybody for listening again. This has been another episode of the zone coverage podcast, and you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks.